So uh, we are middle of the 18th letter, <coughs> and he's going through kind of a historical overview, historical um, you know progression about where how we got to the state that we got to today, and again today meaning the 1800s, um, where Klai Yisrael, majority of Klai Yisrael, large chunks of Klai Yisrael, really just completely abandoned Yiddishkeit. And obviously the, the, the purpose of this is to understand the things that uh, we went wrong, the things that we did incorrectly, and as a way to improve on the future. It's always about, you know, looking forward to the future. And that's always important, right? To understand, you know, instead of just quetching, we have to overhaul and this, the chinuch system, right? To understand the forces that led us to where we are and then try to, you know, try to improve, try to grow and try to make things better. So the basic, you know, he came up with a very, very strong critique of the Rambam. The idea of, um, we're on page 267 in Rabbi Elias' um, edition, um, right, his critique of the Rambam was the idea of developing a philosophy of Yiddishkeit that wasn't based on Yiddishkeit. It was something outside of Yiddishkeit. In the case of the Rambam, this would be the, it would be the Rambam's Aristotelian philosophy. Right? And that's you know, an idea of perfection of the mind as being the goal of Judaism. And then kind of trying to find a way to fit the mitzvahs in, which don't really fit because the mitzvahs have their own philosophy, their first says. In which case, you end up abandoning the mitzvahs because, well, that's not really what's important. And that's the, you know, and he says, the Rishonim, right, people, we stop learning Tanakh, which we'll get to later. And the Rishonim that he says that really got it, that really developed a unique Jewish philosophy where he says what the Kuzri and the Ramban. Um, I was just talking uh, to you about the Eretz Yisrael. There's a, there's a Shneur B'Shneur Burn that came out with a say from Mitzvah Yishev Eretz Yisrael. You know B'Shneur? So uh, again, he talks about the, the Kuzri, the Kuzri, the entire Sefer, which is the most important, one of the most important philosophies form of Yiddishkeit, come out the entire Sefer centers around living in Eretz Yisrael. And that's uh, and the Sefer ends that the Kuzri says, I'm going to Eretz Yisrael, and Mehuda HaLevi himself in his life, he made a journey there, exactly how far he got, no one knows. But uh, this is, you know, at the center, because again, what, what's, what's the idea? It's, you know, if, if you understand the, uh, the role of Yiddishkeit as, as as being about perfecting the mind, or even if it's Elam Haba, then like, what's Eretz Yisrael? Who cares? Who cares about Yemaisa Mashiach, right? The idea of having a Jewish country, what's the value? What's the, right? Again, as Rav Hirsch understood, the ideal is having a Klai Yisrael being on its own country, having its own land, and, you know, doing the mitzvahs, etc. But again, just, uh, okay. Now, we're on page 267 on the bottom, the last paragraph. Um, and now he says, presently a form of learning came into existence about which... Not being initiated in it, I dare not venture to express any opinion. And of course, he's talking about Kabbalah, slash Hasidus, right? Uh, he says, I don't really know much about it, and I don't want to offer an opinion, right? Now, however, if I properly understand that which I believe I do comprehend, then it is indeed an invaluable repository of the spirit of the Tanakh and the Talmud, right? In other words, Kabbalah could be a, a savior of Klaiso. This could be something which is expressing the Jewish values, expressing the, the deep meaning of Torah and of mitzvahs, exactly what Rav Hirsch is trying to promote. But it was also unfortunately misunderstood. Right? The eternal progressive development which was taught, right? the idea, right, came to be considered a static mechanism, and what was to be understood as inner perception was seen as external dream worlds. Okay? So what he's saying is like this. Again, this is, this is, a, this is a little bit of a controversial... Um, you know the way that, you know this was this, there were some fights over this. There was a, a review of Rabbi Elias's uh, version was written by Rabbi Shlomo Danziger. Shlomo Danziger was nifter just a few months ago. Um, you know, yes, his, his sons are the editors of Art Scroll. You know the Danzigers. Um, so Chol uh, Danziger is the grandson just made a wedding this week. So what? 
CJ, yeah, yeah. So, so he wrote a review and he had critiques of Rabbi Elias. And his general critique of Rabbi Elias was is that Rabbi Elias was kind of trying to reconcile Rav Hirsch with everyone else too much. You know what I mean? Like Rav Hirsch was different and he had tried to make, make one big happy family a little bit too much. And one of his examples that he gives was this paragraph about Kabbalah. And he says, you know, Rav Hirsch, they found his notes when he prepared um, Chayrev and he actually quoted every Zohar in there and he quotes Kabbalah in other places. And so clearly he was just, uh, he, like he said here, it was misunderstood. People misunderstood it. And therefore, that was the whole problem of Kabbalah. And he said, well, people, people thought it was just, you know, magic. It was like, a, you know, it's a static mechanism. Yeah, if you do this, then this happens in Shemayim. If you say this, then this is what happens. If you say this, you know, uh, I was listening to, um, to Rabbi Rosner. He you know, gives the daf. Uh, so uh, he was talking about... Um, the, the Gemara yesterday's blood mentioned the puzzle of Yisharim Darchi Hashem Asadikim Yechubam or Yisharim Yikashlubam. So he just decided to bring it unrelated to the daf. But the Neid Yehuda has his, his big tshuva about L'shem Yichud, very against L'shem Yichud, right? He was uh, what? Yeah, he says Asadikim Yechubam or Chasidim Yikashlubam. You know, like he because uh, again, what what happens is like. Like everything, right? You say l'shem yichud, and that's going to bring the kaiches of the mitzvah. But then it just becomes another thing that you say, and then it's like, okay, if you say this, then like, you know, then, then it works. If you shake this, then it goes here. If you say this, then it just becomes like a game, right? And he says what what, what he understood Kabbalah that it could have actually been an eternal progressive development. It could have been something growing. It could have been something alive, and instead it came to be considered a static mechanism. Right? He says, uh, he says, let's just finish it. As this branch of learning came into being, the mind could turn either to external, sharp-witted dialectics in the study of Talmud. Right? So in other words, either you could learn in pilpul and yeshivas and like, you know, just busy, you know, like he said, cut off from reality. Or to this new field of study, which appealed to the emotions as well. Kabbalah became, right, spread out. Had it been correctly comprehended, it might perhaps have imbued practical Judaism with spirituality. But as it was misconstrued, the practice of Judaism was interpreted to be a form of magical, mechanistic manipulations, a means of influencing or resisting theosophic worlds and anti-worlds. Right? So in other words, what he's saying... Now, again, so, so Rabbi Elias, you know, he writes in his notes, Vada Rav Hirsch is all in on Kabbalah, it was misunderstood, and that's, you know... Rabbi Danziger was, was kind of had a critique, and he said, Rav Hirsch, what Rav Hirsch is, is saying here is, is that what, what if he understood Kabbalah, which he says, this is what he thinks it really was, then Kabbalah was exactly what Rav Hirsch is writing. Right? It's very interesting how Rabbi Rav Dessler, when he writes... Uh, Rav Dessler? Or was it Ali Shur? I think it was Rav Dessler, when he writes about Shabbos... So he talks about Shabbos and he quotes a few different inyanim and he says, and Rav Hirsch says that Shabbos is all about malacha, like we spoke about a few, uh, few weeks ago. And, he says, and the, and the Mekubalim say the same thing, right? The, someone told me once, the Rav Huntner said once that he says he can't believe that Rav Hirsch wasn't influenced by Maharal, right? There's so much overlap, right? In other words, so Kabbalah, and, and maybe now in, in the 200 years since this was written, you know, you know uh, maybe we've, we've understood Kabbalah more correctly, but the idea that of Hirsch, what he, what he loves about Kabbalah is that it's not just doing a mitzvah dry, it's bringing an inner spirit of mitzvah, right? The Midrashim and Chazal is talking about the hymnals and stuff. That wasn't, that's not, it's not about what's happening, it's the spirit of the mitzvah, is that you're doing things you're accomplishing, right? Your mitzvahs are actually having an impact. Again, all about this world, all about us. We're not concerned with what's going on in Shemayim, right? The terror starts with a base. We don't care. Malamala, malamala, malamata, right? That's not our world. But the Kabbalah was giving a language to the, to the spirit of the Torah, right? And still, but the problem is that we started learning Kabbalah, it just became just some magic tricks, right? It became to be misunderstood. Now, again, I don't, you know, the history here is hard. So, you know, for example, you know, uh, you know the, the Arizal, for example, right? So his Torah goes through Rebchaim Vital, 
it ends up becoming very popular in, in, in Italy, right? That's really right, Kabbalah, for a bunch of reasons, right? The, you know, it was usher it was to print the Gemara, in, in, uh, right? The censors forbid it, so the Kabbalah farm became very popular in Italian, and a lot of farm began to be written called the Kabbalah Mises, which was like, it was called practical Kabbalah, right? And the academics, they call it magic, right? It's like, you know, and that's like the kind of things that people get very impressed by in the Kabbalah when he's doing magic tricks and he's reading your mind. You know, again, only only basic with the stories. But the idea that Kabbalah, if it's properly understood, could have saved Yiddish Kabbalah because it was actually giving a spirit, right? It was giving the, the language of Medrash and Zayar, and that's what Refersh, and that's what Rabbi Elias was saying, and that's what Rabbi Dazi was saying. That's what Refersh was, 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 was saying. He wasn't going for, like, you know, the, the heavy-duty Kabbalah secrets of the world. That's not what he was... The, the Kabbalah, what he felt could save the world, was a Kabbalah that was giving a spirit to Yiddishkeit. Again, and hopefully that's uh, maybe uh, there's been a correction there. Again, I don't, I don't know if he's talking about a specific person or whatever. Is he talking about, like, the practical Kabbalah, which leads to maybe to Shabbat Shabbat Tzvi stuff and all that, you know? Again, I'm not going to get into that debate. You know, Gershon Sholem. What? No, but again, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think he would look at a lot of uh, the Hasidus, let's say, today. He doesn't mention Hasidim here. I don't think he would t- and think that that's what's happening, right? I mean, maybe, maybe, the, you know, I'm sure of Hirsch wouldn't be, very, you know, 100% happy with, uh, with a lot of the Hasidus today. But again, this idea that, that Kabbalah became a bunch of magic tricks. You wear this Kameya and everything. So then, then what do you do? You know what I mean? Then what do you just introduce some element into Yiddishkeit that's just whatever, you know? He says what, where, where Kabbalah could have saved Yiddishkeit was if we would have read it like Medrash, read it like, you know, giving a perspective. When we talk about, you know, the Shekhinah Begalusa, instead of turning it into like a magic trick, if you do this, then the Shekhinah and the Kaddish Baruch Hu and the Yichud, instead of recognizing that Hashar is Hashkina in this world, that Hashem brings His Bracha, and when we're in Golos, it's not there. What's the Right? And when the Chorban, so we can serve Hashem properly, which means that there's no Asherah Sashchina, and we have to bring back the mouth. Instead of using it in terms of just like, you know, a magic trick and like a formula, right? You know, what? Yeah, until, exactly. And that's, so again, this is his critique. He's critical, you know, Kabbalah many times. He mentioned that even earlier we had it. He talks about like the Chassid Yavis. We said last week that he quotes a lot of the Chassid Yavis in his critique of the Rambam. He writes in the thing there, although he relies too much on Kabbalah, but you know, like, so again, Kabbalah in Rav Hirsch's understanding is not separate from Yiddishkeit, but it is Yiddishkeit, right? It's not... It's not, again, it could be there's some secrets in there, right? The Ramban already writes, obviously, Rav Hirsch, uh, the Ramban refers to last week, was the Rishon, right? And Rav Hirsch's Pirish on Chumash is full of Kabbalah. But again, the Kabbalah would be, I don't, I don't know how he would like, view those pieces of the Rambam. The, you know, our school decided that the, they should not be translating those pieces. You know, that was, I don't know, their editorial decision that no one's allowed to understand those pieces in English. But I'll upon him, right? The, uh, they weren't the first. The, the other one also, the Taiv, what? David. So not to, not to like that. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. So they also the, the Taiv Yerushalayim. What was the you know the Taiv the guy that did the Chavos Avos? He also has on the Ramban written over in Hebrew. He also leaves out the Kabbalah stuff. Although there are some things which Arshko does translate that he does. It's like you know Shiloh, what, what they consider the Kabbalah. You know, Alpisayin, Alpiemes. And was that there are things that are, the Ramban writes about these things of Kabbalah that they're you know you can't you can't use logic. The Ramban was was a Kabbalah right, and the first Ramban was the first is the Rishon that first held was of the most in terms of the Hashkafa. But 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 the Kabbalah is not some sort of secret that you know about Shemayim. The Torah is never about. Hashem, it's all about us. It's about Hashem's perspective on us and what we should be doing. And then as much as these Tzfarim and these Kabbalah will improve our lives and our Maisim Taivim and our 
then 100% great. But he says it, became, it came to be misunderstood. Again, Rav Hirsch is writing this in the, in the, in the mid, early to mid-1800s. So Hasidim is not the, the, the... It's popular, I guess. I, I don't know how many Hasidim he actually saw. Maybe the Eibeland Hasidim he came in contact with. Rav Eilat Piyazki told me that until his father was in the D-camp, DP camps, he never met a Hasid. You know, today it's like we're all one big happy family. As a kid grew up in Kavna, <laughs> what? Yeah, of course. <laughs> right, right. So, so, uh, so, so again, this is his critique. In other words, if it's not in, if it's not embedding and imbuing Yiddishkeit with a spirit, he says, then then it's just a waste of time. Little by little, there came into the hands of the people a work. Now, this is something which you know all the other critiques. You know, the first not the first one. Well, I've heard not the first one here either, but this is a very, very surprising critique. He says, it became into the hands of work. A sefer was published. What sefer is he talking about? He's talking about Shulchan Aruch. Right? The sefer Shulchan Aruch. Originally intended only as a compendium for scholars. Right? It was meant for Tamir HaChamim, which presented the latest results of Talmudic scholarship, purely with a view to their practical applications. It was primarily an extract differently arranged from the systematic work of the Rambam and highlighted the role of the Rambam as the great preserver of the Torah observance in the times of overwhelming Gaulist oppression. So just a, just a history of the Sefer Shulchan Aruch, right? And, you know, we, we go through these cycles in Yiddish Kai, right? So you have Torah Shabbat Peh that went through, it's all written down in Gemara, right? But then, obviously, through the years of the Ga'inim, Gemara became very difficult, right? How do you understand the Gemara? The steers and contradictions, Pesach, what do we do? Right? And so you have the three main Rishonim, that Paskin in the Gemara, right? That are used the most by the Shulchan Aruch, the Rambam, the Rif, and the Rush, all very different. But let's go, the Rambam is the Sefer that codifies the Halachas, right? Now, the Tur basically incorporates the Rambam, the Rif, and the Rush, right? Also, other Rishonim, but those are the three main Rishonim that he incorporates, and he writes Allah is Sefer based on the Rambam, but a different order, right? The Torah is a completely different order. The Torah goes more in the order of Shas than in the order of the Rambam. Systematic Halachas are beautiful. The Torah is a little bit mixed up, right? But the Torah is also bringing down mostly Psak Halacha, and so... Rabbi Yosef Cairo, the base Yosef, writes a massive pirush on the Torah, right? And halacha, is, there, is that the most important halacha sefer, is the base Yosef, right? It's going through every line of the Torah, where he gets it from, goes to the Gemaris, that's, you know, the base Yosef. Right? The, 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 the. Then, the base Yosef himself writes the sefer Shulchan Aruch, which is essentially the conclusions of the sefer base Yosef. Right? Whenever there's like a steer between Shulchan Aruch and Beis Yosef, there's always a big tumult in the Nois right? What's going on here? Right? But, but the, the sefer Shulchan Aruch was not a sefer of learning. It's not what you're supposed to learn. It's the maskanas of the sefer based Yosef, which is a pirish on the Torah, which is a collection of the Rishonim, which is a psak on the Gemara, right? So that's not Torah. That's the psak halacha. He said it's meant for scholars. It's not meant for that. Not, that wasn't what Limit Torah was supposed to be. When you're a Paisik and you're learning and you want to get to the maskanas, so you look at it, right? Now, by the way, this critique, the Shulchan Aruch itself and all these halachas for him, throughout the years, the Masha, right? idea of like, you know, making turn into like a law book where you have like maskanas, I think. says, you know, we ever read a tshuva from like a, from a real paisik, right? Well, what's they doing? They're going through gemaras and there's different cases and they're this. It's not like there's a black and white system of like just trying to figure it all out, right? Gemara is very, it's very broad. Okay, we have a Godel, they can issue a psak. The idea of writing these halachas svarim was something which, which people were always against. And it's our is reflecting here a different issue here. But the idea of like the Shulchan Aruch being the safer. It's, it was meant very specifically for Psak Halacha, for the experts, right? That wasn't Limit HaTayra, right? And if you ever tried to learn just Shulchan Aruch, even like just, you know, the, you read the, the, you know, the, the modern day versions, you know, like the, the, the English Halacha Svarim, 
it's very difficult, right? It gets very dry. You want to look up a halacha, you want to look up a specific issue, they're great. But if you want, this is like, it's not leave it a tire, right? This is not, it's not going to engage you intellectually, right? It's just, just memorizing a bunch of information. That's, that's, not, that's not the way it is. But he says the issue here was, was primarily an ekhe. He says, unfortunately, however, the people became familiar almost exclusively with only one part of this work. Refresh and Bryce says many times, he says, the problem is, if you have four volumes of Shulchan Aruch, right? So you have Yerodeyaz on Hilchus, you know, Ishus, man and woman, right? Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm, uh, that's I'm, uh, Evan Ezer. Yerodeya is, you know, Kashris and Shechita, Siddhaka, Kibrava, Eim, all those mitzvahs. You have Chesha Mishpat, which was business halacha. And then you have Arachayim. Arachayim is going to be very relevant and practical on a day-to-day, right? From the moment you wake up, and the Tzvillin, Tzitzis, Stavning, Shachris, Shabbos, Yamtif, right? Those are the ones that kind of, you know, you, you, you know, you deal with on a daily basis. And that became the one that everyone was into. Arachayim, that was the one they used to sell, right? The one containing the categories of Edas and Avaida, right? This is the, the, the Yavim Taivim and Shabbos and Tefillah, the laws of divine worship and holidays. All other duties are dealt with in the other sections of this work, which in accordance with the overall purpose of the work, were left for the scholars and the general public. So when it came to all the other three volumes, Chayish and Mishpah, Devon, and the place comes stuck with that one, right? But when it came to Arachayim, then the Hamayna, they got very into that one, and then they started getting into it. Right? And so people were only Arachayim. And if you want to draw a parallel, right? Mishabura. Mishabura is a peerish on the Shulchan Arachayim. Right? And that's what everyone had. Everyone's got a Mishabura. But Mr. President, you got four of them, right? So you became, in other words, what people began to look at Yiddishkeit. What's Yiddishkeit? Davening, Shabbos, and Yamtif. Right? Some mitzvahs like Tfilin, Sitzis, Tavarin, Shabbos, Yamtiv. And that's what Yiddishkeit is. That's the main thing of Yiddishkeit. Right? And so gradually here and there arose unfortunate opinions that Judaism is marked only by praying and keeping the holidays with no relevance to life. What? That it has more. Right? That, it has, that it has other sets of halachas also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the chayyah, the most sorrow, nishma them, right. But again, it's not about, you know, okay, the point is, is that we began to look at what is Yiddishkeit. Right? And even today, right? It's a typical non Jew. You ask a guy, well, what's Judaism? Yeah, they had their tzvitzin, their phylacteries, their Sabbath, their holidays. Like, that's, not, that's one part of Yiddishkeit. And when we went through a person's understanding, that's an important part, right? And, uh, but that's not what Yiddishkeit is. Yiddishkeit is completely broad. Yiddishkeit is, is an entire life that encompasses all a person's behaviors. It tells a person how to live in business, how to live in his family, in relationships, in marriage, in community, right? Yiddishkeit is completely all encompassing. And that we, when, we, when because of the, the popularity of Archaim and because of, you know, even today, Mishnah so that's what Yiddishkeit is. Yiddishkeit is davening and, 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 and Yamtiv, right? The Heiliger parts of Yiddishkeit, right? The, but, but in Hirsch's understanding, these parts of Yiddishkeit are meant to inspire us and, and, and implant in us, you know, a, a love of Hashem and an appreciation of Yiddishkeit, which is then meant to unfold in our entire lives. Right, it's like the base Hamikdash of Hirsch said. That was the place where you went for your inspiration to now go back into the world. You didn't live in the base Hamikdash, right? And so uh, imagine you say that the main thing of Yiddishkeit is the base Hamikdash. Well, then uh, we have nothing today, right? So when we began to look at Yiddishkeit as being exclusively, you know, that of you know, and by the way, and this is where of Hirsch and Hasidim again, you know, this is like we see even in the Rambam, right? If you look at Yiddishkeit as being about perfecting your mind and whatever connection to Hashem, whatever the the, the popular terms are, so then it makes sense that the parts of Yiddishkeit you're going to focus on are the parts where you feel like there's a, an active connection to Hashem. Right? Shabbos, Yom Tif, Davening, these are mitzvahs, right? but paying your workers on time doesn't make you feel that connected to Hashem. It's not that inspiring. Right? Being honest and, 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 and you know, con- con- you know, controlling your, 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 you know, your behavior and the things that you do, that's not very connection to hashem right? Oh, it's a prerequisite, fine, but right? And so, and so that's what happened. Right? If you consider all these various influences, you'll be able to understand how Judaism looked about 80 years ago. 
as well as all the developments that followed. Right? So again, in other words, before reform even started, Yiddishkeit was very shaky. You know, when we read Ben Torah for Life, so uh, um, he quoted there of Shach, right? Because again, you know, Germany collapsed in the 19th century, right? Lita, Russia, Lita, Poland, these, the Haskalah came to them a lot later, right? Because again, the countries they were in didn't really have a lot of, you know, they came a lot later. So, uh, and so what happened there was, you know, in the 1900s, the 20th century, that's really where the Haskalah came and everything began to do. World War I obviously had a tremendous impact. And that's where, and the Asif Shach was Pshat, you know, so again, he's a hundred years behind of hers because Germany was a lot earlier. What? Yeah, yeah, but Bissau Salanta left Lita, and he actually went to Germany. That's where he, right? And he never really said why, but his Tamidim said that Germany already kind of collapsed. Right? He says, if a train is going down a mountain, you can't fix it, right? It's impossible to stop it. You have to wait for it to crash at the bottom, and then fix it. What? So, so you know, because he was saying, he was seeing it slowly deteriorate, right? That's why he said in Lita, they were on their way down. Germany is already done. Right? So in the, in the 19th century, yeah, of course, there were Haskalah, there were forces, but, you know, there was still a, a majority, right? It was only until after, really, World War I where things really got disrupted. So, so, uh, so Rav Shach says, he says, you know, he says, he so does Yiddishkeit, all of a sudden, he says, there were people that yesterday that were sitting there in, in share with us in shul, the next day, they're joining the communists and coming after us to throw us into jail and to murder us. He says, what happened? He says, he says, imagine it was a tree, a big, beautiful tree, but then the water supply got cut off, and so underneath the ground there was rotten and rotten around. The roots were completely withered away, and one day a little wind comes and knocks the tree down. He says, the tree looked like a beautiful tree, but it was actually dead inside the whole time, and all it took was a little wind. He says, it was a Yiddish kite that was dead. So we looked very from outwardly, right? It's a scary thing to think about, you know, today, right? We look outwardly from, but inside it was rot. And all it took was a little wind, you know, as long as things are going okay, there's nothing, you know, but once things like, you know, communist revolutions and World War I and all these things, the whole thing falls down. You know, the question is... What? So that was mice during COVID. Oh, very good. <laughs> <laughs> right, but again, it's, it's it's scary to think about. You know, uh, the, the kinds of tests. History always comes up with tests. You know, you know the things aren't always great, and and what you know, are we strong enough to withstand that uh, that wind, right? And so Yiddishkeit here is very very weak, right? So even though yes, we're outwardly from, but it's a very very weak Yiddishkeit. And then at that time when the yoke of oppression began to be lifted, and Moses Mendelssohn, and that we'll have to do next week. But again, but he sets up, at least for the introduction of reform, that, you know, we wonder, how did it happen that in the 19th century, all of a sudden, all of Germany went up and became fry? Well, look at, look at what the Yiddishkeit was. It was a very weak form of Yiddishkeit. It was misunderstood. It was focused on, you know, perfecting your mind. It was focused on Kabbalah. It was focused on this. It was focused on that. But the actual spirit of Yiddishkeit, of the mitzvahs, of what a, what a Yid was, and what the role of Kaiser was, that was lost. And so, uh, you know, and, uh, and everything that's going to happen, once reform shows up and offers an alternative... Uh, it's gonna it's gonna have a tremendous impact. Yeah.